Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. Most gracious Father, we thank you that we are here this morning. Lord, we pray right now as we come to your Word that we'd be able to just focus, you'd rest our souls and minds and hearts, and we'd be able to settle into what you have to share with us this morning. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Here's a picture up on the screen. Uh, Actually, this is an image they use from uh, the Youth Alpha course. Uh, As you can see, it's uh, a swimming pool. There's various people uh, around the swimming pool. There's some people in the swimming pool. There's some people who are, uh, there's one guy reading a newspaper, one person looking in the mirror. There's lots of things happening in this little picture. I want to ask you a question. Where are you in this picture when it comes to following Jesus? Come follow me. When it comes to trusting Jesus, if trusting Jesus is in the swimming pool, to actually trust Jesus, to be in the pool means that you're trusting Jesus. Where would you be in this image right now, today? Not 10 years ago when you became a Christian, maybe you're not a Christian, not on your best day, but right now, today, when it comes to trusting Jesus, where are you? Are you the guy looking in the mirror? Are you on the sidelines, not really interested, not really trusting, just kind of reading the newspaper? Um, Are you the guy on the diving board? Maybe something big's coming up and and, and you feel like this is going to be a big leap of faith. Maybe you're the one doing laps, you're fully trusted and you're, you're doing the laps. Maybe you're trusting Jesus, you see the guy with his hand up. Maybe that's you, you're kind of trusting but you feel like you're drowning. I've always wondered if that guy with the hand up, if that's his legs on the other side. <laughs> when I've used this illustration. <laughs> I don't know if it is. If it is, you, you've got some back issues. But um, may, maybe, maybe it's you, you're, you're, deep, you're uh, diving deep down, but you, you feel like you're running out of breath. Maybe you're tipping your toe in the water. You want to trust him, but you're not quite sure you've even got your floaties on. Where are you in this picture right now when it comes to trusting Jesus? This morning we, we continue our series looking at this one passage in the, in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 1, verse 16 to 18. And it's about being a disciple, following Jesus. And, and if you weren't here last week, you missed a great sermon you can go back, humble, you missed the great sermon, you can go back and watch it. But we started this and we got a four-week sermon just on these two verses. And I kind of built this sermon around a Bible study I heard by a lady uh, I did with Helen, Helen Bates, her name was. And, and, I, and we put this little uh, sermon series together. But it's all about following Jesus. Following Jesus. And so we're in week two of this four-week sermon, just looking at these two simple verses. You would know them. Been coming to church long enough, you would have read this numerous, numerous times. These are the, this is the encounter here, Mark chapter 1. It says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. 
come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fisher of people. And once they left their nets and followed him. Very simple little story encounter where Jesus calls, in fact, this is the first recorded account of Jesus calling his first disciples. Now, there's a good chance that these, these guys who were fishing already met Jesus. They would have maybe seen Jesus perform a miracle or share a little bit. They don't have a deep relationship with him, but they, they know Jesus. And right here we see Jesus say these really, really powerful words, come follow me. And last week we talked about how this was a, a confident invitation by Jesus Jesus confidently invites us to follow him, that he says, come follow me. And he gives us a task, which we'll we'll touch on in future weeks. But but there's a confidence in Jesus' invitation. Come follow me, he says. That in that day, in that time, in that culture, uh, rabbis did not choose their disciples or their apprentices. Actually, the disciple would be rabbis or would be disciples would look at the rabbis and say, oh, what are they, what are they teaching? What are they like? Are they, are they popular? Do they have a following? Then the disciple would choose which rabbi to follow. But Jesus is different and he goes and he chooses and he offers an invitation confidently and he says, come follow me. And in doing that, what what he's doing is Jesus is saying he trusts you. That Jesus trusts human, humans. And we look through the the, the history of, of the New Testament, the Old Testament, and we see these constant stories where God trusts humanity even though we are not trustworthy. He still trusts us. Isn't that incredible? That God will trust us even though we are not trustworthy. But right here, we see that Jesus, uh, with those words, that invitation, come follow me, is actually a call to trust Jesus. Yes, Jesus trusts us, but he's actually calling us to trust him. Now, for us, this may not seem radical. Radical in application but not radical in thought and thinking because we've heard this a million times. We have to trust Jesus. It's still hard to apply in our lives because most of us don't. Uh, but, but right here in this time where Jesus calls these uh, first disciples, come follow me, he's saying, trust me, trust me, trust me. This is a new method. Remember, just, uh, uh, Jesus is, is showing and demonstrating what it means to follow him and what it means to be a disciple. And this new method revolves around trust. In that, in that time, the rabbi uh, would be calling, would be apprentices or disciples to actually follow the teachings of the Torah. The first uh, couple of books of the, of the Old Testament, he, he, the, the rabbi would say, you can trust this in, in, the, in the Torah. And that's what the, the ordinary rabbis were calling those disciples to follow. But Jesus is different. Jesus is superior. Jesus is saviour. And Jesus doesn't actually call them to follow the Torah. He calls them to follow who? Himself. He says, don't, 
he doesn't say don't worry, but he says, I don't want you to follow this. And that's why uh, it's so easy for them to become very legalistic. They would learn and learn and wrote, learn the, the words of the, the Old Testament and, and it was black and white and I have to do this because it was all about following the Torah or following the, the commandments or, or trusting in them. And other rabbis would say, here's a path, here's a way, here's what life can look like, where Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And he calls them to a new method. What is that new method? Well, it's trusting a person. It's trusting and following Jesus. And, and actually, even that claim there is a very Christological claim, that Jesus says, I'm the one that you will follow, trust me. And so this morning, we look at the, this new method of trusting when it comes to following Jesus, that we are called to trust Jesus. Now, when you look through the Bible, here's the word here, Greek word. Um, I won't say it because it sounds like a swear word, but it, it actually means to believe, that word there, believe, pisteo, how do you say it, Peter? Pisteho, pisteho. Um, and, and that's where we get the word believe generally. The word faith is pistis, where we, 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 they're very similar, faith, believe, and then also this kind of concept of trust. I, I think trust is a better word than believe. Because when we think of believe, what do we think of? Head knowledge, don't we? Not, whereas trust is more of an action. And actually, this is, this is referring to an action. Uh, this is Bill Mounts, who's a Greek... Um, a commentator and interpreter, and he says this in regards to that word, to believe means to put one's faith in a trust with an implication that actions based on that trust may follow. And so what he's saying is to, to believe or to trust means that there is a byproduct, there is an action, something happens, your, your behaviour changes, you do something. It's not just sitting back and believing with a head knowledge. So to trust means to do something, to have put trust in something, to your life should look different, it, it's visible, I trust this. I'll show you how because this is what I'm going to do. I was reading a story about um, a sergeant or a chief of the Los Angeles Police Department. I can't remember the guy's name, but he was talking about how when the rookie police officers come in, he would do this test with the uh, bulletproof vests. And he said uh, they would put the bulletproof vest on these mannequins and they would uh, get their guns and they would shoot a couple of rounds at these, these bulletproof vests to see if they would work while the rookie police officers were watching. And um, then they would go up and, sure, yeah, bulletproof vests work perfect. Uh, if, if Obviously, they have to shoot at the bulletproof vest. If they shoot the arm of the mannequin, it's going to go flying. And, but, but where the bulletproof vest says the mannequins are fine, he would show the rookie police officers and then he would say, all right, who's going to wear the vest? Now we're going to put the vest on you and we're going to shoot at you. And none of them would want to do it. But every single one of them would then wear the vest when they went out on, on the beat because they could see that the vest would work, that the vest needs to be worn. It, it, it's, you can't trust the vest by leaving it there. You actually got to put it on and trust that it works. And this is what Mounts is saying when it comes to believing or trusting Jesus. Nelson's Bible Dictionary defines faith as belief in or confident attitude toward God involving commitment to his will for one's life. Nelson also says belief is to place one's trust or to put on the vest, put on the vest in God's truth. A person who believes is one 
who takes God at his word and trusts in him for his salvation. So this new, more, this, this new method is what we're looking at this morning. And, and what I want to do is, I, I want to, today, this morning, I want us to reaffirm, reaffirm our trust in Jesus. I want us to reaffirm, I want to reaffirm my trust in Jesus. I want to be in the middle of the swimming pool doing laps. I want to reaffirm my trust in Jesus because we are called to trust Jesus. That invitation, come follow me, is, is a call to trust him. Come and trust me. Trust me. How is that trust demonstrated? Well, we're walking right behind Jesus. We've got the vest on. We're, we're following him. Look at John 14.1. It's all about trust. These are the words of Jesus. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. The Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 5.7, doesn't use the word trust, but he talks about faith. For we live by faith. We live by trusting Jesus, not by sight. We live by trusting God, not necessarily what we can see or smell or touch. We, we, we put our faith, we put our trust in God. Romans 15, 15, 13, again, the Apostle Paul says, May the God of hope fill you. And then can I just stop there? Firstly, what, an, what a great thing. We follow a God who's a God of what? Hope. We don't follow a God of doom and gloom, a God of anger. We follow a God of hope. A God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you what? Everyone say that word. Trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This famous passage, you all know this one, don't you? Proverbs 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And it goes on and saying that by doing that, he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. See, so often we want to lean on our own understanding, don't we? We want to lean on our own intelligence, our own ability. Now, God gives us a brain and he, gives us, he wants us to use that and do that, but we become very self-sufficient and we think we know better than God. But the thing is, God can see the whole picture. And so we, we, we need to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on our own understanding. And, and this, this verse, um, I, I think... Th- I saw this illustration regarding uh, the Webb Telescope. Anyone heard of the NASA's Webb Telescope? They released some pictures. When did they? This year, I think, 2022. This was his telescope. Really powerful. It picks up Foxtel, everything. Uh, KO, all those things. You don't even have to pay for it. And um, it's, it's, it's done incredible photos. Photos that they've never seen before. Here's, a, here's an image. Um, one of those blobby things is our galaxy. If you look at the old images from an older telescope, they're all blurry. And these images, look at this next one. This one looks like it's been drawn by an artist. Incredible images. Now, here's the thing. That's the first time. We didn't even know what it looked like, okay? But God could always see that, couldn't he? God could always see that. For the first time, we can now see that, but God could always see that. And so when I think of this passage, the Proverbs, if you click over, um, the Proverbs passage next screen, um, do not, we'll go back, sorry. There it is, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Why do we trust in the Lord with all your heart? Because he sees everything. He's always seen that stuff. We see it and we're like, wow, he's already seen it. 
In fact, he sees more than that. We're going to need a bigger telescope than that. He's seen it. He's always been there. He knows. And so he sees the bigger picture. And so that's why uh, the writer of the Proverbs says, actually, trust in the Lord, trust in God, trust in Jesus, not just on your own understanding, because you only see that much. And it may be blurry, but God sees all of it. So we had a trust in Jesus. And so again, this morning, I want us to reaffirm our trust in Jesus. Hopefully you can get there. Hopefully you can get to the point after the service of saying, I'm reaffirming my trust in Jesus. And when it comes to, to following Jesus, we need to trust Jesus. And actually we do it three ways. Three ways, or there's three areas, or there's three aspects of trusting Jesus. Trusting him with our past, trusting him with our, our present, and trusting him with our future. So past, present, and future. Now, when we think of trusting Jesus, we tend, to, we, we tend to focus on the what? The future. We tend to think of trusting Jesus as all about the future. I need to trust Jesus with what, what's coming or what's, what's in front of us. And we do. But also, there's two other aspects. There's the past and the present. And so the first aspect we look at is the past. Turn the person next to you and say, past. That was really good. (laughs) We need to trust Jesus with our past, not just our future, but our past. The things that you have done wrong, he's taken care of. The mistakes that you have made, he's taken care of. The sins that you have done, he is taken care of. The balls that you have dropped, he has taken care of. The things that maybe not, that we've done to uh, made mistakes, but maybe the things that have happened to us, things that uh, may have hurt us, things that uh, may have caused us to suffer and have pain, and and maybe some actions or decisions that other people have made has affected us and has caused hurt and pain and suffering. It doesn't diminish those. It's not diminishing those or saying they never happened. But we need to trust Jesus with that past. Past rejections, past losses, past pains, past failures, even past successes. We need to trust Jesus with the past. Now, again, hear me. I'm, I, we don't necessarily minimize it. We're not minimizing those past hurts or those past pains or those past sins or even those past successes. We don't minimize it. But we need to trust Jesus with them. We release them to God. Whatever it is, we need to release it to God. We let go of it. Look at Philippians 3, 13 to 14. Uh, Apostle Paul says this, you may know it well. Uh, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling me. See, the Apostle Paul is trusting Jesus with his past. Now, if we know the Apostle Paul's past, what was his main occupation before he became a Christian? Was to round up Christians and have them killed, to beat up Christians, to persecute Christians. And so Paul is trusting Jesus with his past. He's not looking back. You would know this story of, um, here's a picture up on the screen. Can anyone tell me who this is? Roger Bannister's the guy in the background. The guy at the front is John Landy. He's the Australian. And um, Roger Bannister was the first um, 
person to break the, the four-minute mile. Hands up if anyone can run the four-minute mile apart from Barnabas. Barnabas, you can, can't you? Yeah, look at him. He's like, yeah, I can do that. He can do it. That's, a, that's, that's moving. Um, but he was, uh, Roger Bannister was the first guy to do it. Men and not long after that, the Aussie guy did it. And this was a track meet where in 1954, Bannister and, and Landy met off in the, in the same track meet. And both of them were running the mile. Again, they both were the first guys, well, Bannister first and the Australian to break that, that record. Um, now, Landy led for most of the race. The Aussie led for most of the race. Uh, at one point, he was 10 metres in front. Pretty significant lead. Uh, and then right at the last leg, there, and if you, you can read up on this, he actually talks about it. Uh, he turned back to look to see what? To see where who was? The Englishman. Always the Englishman. Turned back to see where Bannister was. And at that point, Bannister did what? Yeah, straight past him, and he actually lost the race. At that point where he was more worried about what was behind him instead of focusing on what was in front of him, that's where he lost the race. And, that's, and he actually talks about it. He said, I shouldn't have looked back. I shouldn't have looked back. Unless you're Usain Bolt, do not look back, okay? <laughs> do not look back. Um, and, and that might be a little bit, well, come on, Anthony, that's a bit cliche. That's a, that's a running story. You know, I've had lots of past hurts and, and pains, and, and, and I, I get that. So have I. We all have. And again, we don't minimise it. We don't minimise what's happened. We need to hand it over and trust Jesus with our past. Now, I know that passage says um, forgetting. We, we can never forget when, when the Bible was talking about forgetting, it's not actually talking about never being able to remember. Because that's impossible. Things that have happened to us and things that we've done, we can't just forget. They, they can't just say, all right, they're gone. But what the Bible is saying when it talks about forgetting, it's saying to no longer be influenced by or affected by. That we, 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 we dwell on it. If it's affecting our current life and our future where we're heading, if that's all we dwell on, if it's um, influencing our current life and our, influencing our future, then you're, you're not handing the past to Jesus. And it's impacting where you are and where you're going. And so we need to trust Jesus with our past. Is that easy? No. We may need to get professional help. And sometimes people think, ah, oh, just if you become a Christian, everything's all right. Now, for some people... That's what happens. They have a radical change and they, they stop doing drugs or they, they, their emotional health's one. For some people, they're blessed with that. But for a lot of people, that's not the case. They have to do the heavy lifting. And so you may need to go to see a counsellor or a psychologist where, where you do look at the past with the goal of what? Moving into the future. Not to dwell there and build a tent and stay in the past. The goal is to go back so that you can move into the future. And when you go back with that attitude, you're saying, Jesus, I trust you with my past. I trust you with my past. So when Jesus calls me to follow, I trust Jesus with my past. Not only do I trust Jesus with my past, I also have to trust Jesus with uh, the, the present. The present. But before we get to the present, is there anything in your old past that you think you're holding? that you need to release to Jesus? 
that you need to, to do some thinking about so, so it doesn't stop you in the present and the future, because it will and it does. Jesus says, come follow me. The disciples didn't drag their nets with them. Say, yep, I'm coming. Because if you, if you were dragging your nets around, it'd be really hard to do the things that Jesus has called them to do. If they carry just, just backing up the boat ramp, on the boat ramp, I'll be two seconds, Jesus will hook the boat up and, and we'll be following now. He doesn't want you to bring that stuff. He wants you to let go of it. Trust him with it. First one is past, second one is present. We need to trust Jesus with the present. Um, and that's, that's, that's hard as well, because we're all control freaks. I know you might think your husband is or your wife is or, or whatever, and maybe they are, I don't know. But, but we all ultimately want control. We want to control. I see a few married couples laughing at each other. We might have to do some pre-marriage or not pre-marriage, mid-marriage counselling with that one. But, but we're all control freaks, aren't we? We like to know and, and direct and, and, and lead, and, and that's fine with being organised and all that kind of stuff. But we need to trust Jesus with the present, the past, the present. Because if we don't, we're not following. We're asking Jesus to follow us. Follow me, Jesus, I've got this under control. Now, let me just say God's attitude does not go up and down. He loves, or his love for me, his love for you, is not determined on a day-to-day basis. So you don't wake up and say, I can't trust God today because of something I've done. I can't trust God today because I just don't know how he's going to respond whether he had a long weekend or whatever. His attitude and his uh, attitude towards us doesn't go up and down. It stays the same. He wants you, he wants me to walk with him day to day. And so we can trust him in the present. Look at this beautiful passage here in Jeremiah. It's just the the language is, is so descriptive. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. So those who trust are blessed. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Confidence in God. And we can have that confidence. Why? Because we know he's, he doesn't go up and down. We don't need to seek his approval or do something to appease him. We can have confidence in him. And look at the byproduct. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Have you ever met people like that? that their faith is so strong, that their trust in Jesus, like nothing sways them. They're like this tree planted in a, next to the river and they, just, and they just have this quiet confidence because they trust Jesus in the present. What about this little verse here? Where does this come from? The Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer, this little part, give us today our daily bread. There's probably not too many of us that have to pray that prayer. Is there? Is any of us here, maybe, probably not today, maybe in previous lives, you, you've had to pray a prayer, God, give us, I just don't have enough food to eat. We know this prayer, but really, we, I don't need to pray to God for food. I really don't. I don't. I can, I can order now on my phone and have as much food delivered to me, cooked, and I don't even have to get off the couch. 
So, so this, give us today our daily bread. This is a prayer of, of, of relying on God, a prayer of dependence. We don't experience that because we don't need it, do we? We just don't need it. God, give us today our daily Ferrari. That, but our daily bread, we don't need it. We're a self-reliant and that's dangerous. It's a blessing but it's also dangerous. It's blessed that we do not have to be worried about food on the table. We are blessed and we should be thankful, not to make us feel guilty, but also we need to be aware that that is dangerous because with that, we don't trust God in the present because we don't need to trust God in the present. We've got everything that we need. Um, we're self-reliant. There's an interesting little story about an accountant. Hands up any accountants here. Come on, there's one over there. I just want to reconcile. No, you like that accounting joke? One accountant, we've only got one. Hands up if you're an accountant. One accountant, two accountants. Gee, no wonder offerings are down. Okay. <laughs> this was a story about an accountant in 1994, a London accountant that uh, did something quite extreme when it comes to self-reliance. He had an issue with his bladder and he needed an operation, but he did not trust doctors and he didn't trust hospitals. So the accountant, with all his accounting skills, decided to perform the operation himself. I don't know how or what equipment he used, a ruler, a calculator, whatever, but he performed this. He said it was, it was, he did not trust doctors, did not trust um, the hospitals, and so he performed this very simple, it was a very simple procedure uh, on the bladder. And you can imagine what happened. He died. Okay? He died because he did this, this, this procedure. I, could, I didn't want to put the pictures on the screen. Um, but it got infected, whatever it was that got infected. And he died. And the guy that was doing the, what's the person that does the autopsy thingy? A coroner said this was a simple, simple procedure that a doctor could have done in 10 minutes, someone who was trained. If he just trusted the doctor and the hospitals, he would still be alive. I think he had probably bigger issues going on. But anyway, the point is this. He was self-reliant. He thought he could pull this off. Are you one of those? I'm like that. I'm thinking, I actually want to be flying the plane. I've never flown a plane before. You hop on a plane and you're thinking, I'm not sure about the pilot. I think, they, I think I'd be better up there. I've never, I'm that confident in my ability and self-reliant that I think I can fly better. This guy was that confident in his ability to perform that procedure and he died. It might sound silly, it might be a silly little example, but we do that with God. God saw everything that that telescope now sees before us. He created that. It's simple for him. Yet we think we can control it. I'm self-reliant. How do we come back to that point where we develop uh, uh, or learning a dependency on God? Trying to trust Jesus in the little things, in the little things. Look at this passage, Matthew 6, 25 to 33. Because we are called to follow Jesus. We trust him with our past. We need to trust him with our presence, present situation. Look at this. It says this, uh, this is Jesus talking. Uh, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough 
clothes to wear. Again, we don't have to worry about that, but we still have worries, don't we? Uh, Isn't life more than food and, and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? They can't, can they? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Why don't you trust? Why don't you put on the vest? So don't worry about these things saying, what will I eat or what will I drink or where, what will I wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Sadly, they dominate my thoughts, if I'm honest as well. Don't worry about these things. These thoughts uh, dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. And, and here's what we do. We are to seek the kingdom of God above all else. That's how we trust Jesus in the present. We seek his kingdom. We seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. Again, not what everything you want, but everything that you need. Bush potatoes. Everything that you need, he's going to give you. So we trust God with the uh, past. We trust God with the present. Are there things that we just don't trust God? Do we need to trust God with the present right now? Are you the guy on the picture that was standing on the diving board? Really struggling today. Is that you right now? And there's a, God is calling you to jump in, in this present situation, and you're, just, you're shaking. Do you need to trust God in the present? This morning, is he saying, dive in, dive in, dive in. I've got you. I've got you. Past, present. And the last one we need to trust uh, Jesus with is the future. Turn to the person next to you and say, future, future. Trust Jesus with the, the future. Here's the, uh, the most tattooed Bible passage in all time. Jeremiah 29, 11. It says this, for I know your plans are for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now we know the context of that. Is this passage even for us? If you know the context, uh, the um, prophet Jeremiah is speaking to the people of Israel. They're exiled into Babylon and he's talking about this future promise. And so specifically in that moment, God is talking about the plans of the people of Israel I'm gonna, you're going to one day get to the point where you will have your own land and, and you will prosper. But actually, in a broader context, that still speaks to us. For those who have said yes to Jesus, it still relates to us because Jesus does have plans for us ultimately to prosper. Better plans, bigger plans, not to harm us, or, 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 but actually a hope for the future. And we can hold on to that passage. While it's not directly written to us, if you said yes to Jesus, he does. Ultimately, when we spend eternity within heaven. Now, again, that doesn't mean there won't be hard times in our future. It doesn't mean he's not going to call us to some, some hard stuff, to do some big things. But he does have a plan for our future. And we need to trust him with our future. We don't know. No one knows what your future will look like except Jesus. God knows what the future looks like. We, we think we can orchestrate it, and, 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 and I think there's, there's, there's um, wisdom 
in, in thinking about your future. And, but if, if it's just grounded in the things of this world, then we're, again, asking for trouble. To be a disciple of Jesus, to be dropping our nets and following means we trust him with our past, we trust him with our present, we trust him with our future. The Palmieri's are in a place now of really trusting God and Jesus with the future. We don't know what the future will hold. We don't know where we're going. It's a little bit scary, but it's also a little bit exciting. Where is Jesus going to call us next? Where is he going to call us to serve? Where is he going to call us to minister? Where is he going to call us to use our gift? We trust him with the past. Past is, there's some stuff and he's done some great things in the past. So we can rely and have a confidence knowing that the future, what, what, where is he going to call us to? Your story is the same. Where, where is God calling you for your future? Trust him with your future. Past, present, future. How are we going? How are you going when it comes to that? Because the call to come follow me is actually a call to trust Jesus. A call to trust Jesus. You remember the story. I'll end with this. Jesus uh, is out and about and um, some religious rulers call him over because uh, they're excited they might be able to um, test Jesus or trip Jesus up. And, And what's happened is they found this young lady who has committed adultery. And so they've found her. I don't know um, where the guy is. The guy's done a runner, but literally they're, they're having an affair. This guy's married. She's not. He gets away with it. She doesn't. She gets dragged down to the kind of village square and everyone gathers around her. And in those times, the, the, the context is that she would be stoned as in rocks would be picked up and they would stone her, throw rocks at her, basically till she died because she committed adultery. Again, the guy gets away with it. And so the religious leaders are like, whoa, this is, let's see what Jesus' view on this. And you really got to gotta think, one dying by having rocks thrown at you would just be horrible, wouldn't it? Imagine that. And so this poor girl is, is probably just on the ground, dusty, hundreds of people around her. Ah, she deserves to die. She's broken the law. She's committed adultery. What are this and what are that? Terms that you wouldn't use in front of children. Um, throw rocks at her, kill her, stone her. And they had every right to do that because that was the rules. That was the law. And these religious people go and get Jesus and they say to Jesus, Jesus, this, this lady has committed adultery. The law of Moses says that she is meant to be stoned. We need to pick up some rocks and throw it at her. This lady is trembling on the ground. And you know the story probably. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus does something very profound and impactful, not just for the people listening, but obviously for this young lady who's scared to death. She's on the ground, scared to death. And Jesus says, okay, you're 100% right. The, the Lord does say that, that if anyone is caught in adultery, they are to be stoned to death. But this is what I want to do. If you have not sinned, anyone who has not sinned, pick up the first rock and you throw it at her. And then for some reason, he gets down on his hands and knees and he starts drawing in the sand. We don't know what he's drawing People have said different things. He's writing different sins or doing a pseudoco, whatever. But, but he's doing something in the sand. And, and, and as he's doing that, imagine the poor lady. Is someone going to throw a rock at me? 
any bit of movement, she's probably thinking, whoa, whoa. But what happens is, one by one, people start to leave. They start to move. The crowd starts to disperse. Why? Because all of them have what? Sinned. And maybe some of them have actually even done the, the very act that she's being accused of. The crowd gets thinner and thinner and Jesus is doing what he's doing. And eventually, there's no one else there except who? Jesus. And in this moment, that girl could have gunned it, run, out, run away or whatever. There's no one there, just Jesus. Good luck outrunning Jesus. <laughs> Maybe it'd be hard. I want to suggest to you that in that moment, she's trusting Jesus with her past, what she's done. She's trusting Jesus with her present because she's there and Jesus could impact wherever she gets rocks thrown at her. And you'll see in a second, she trusts Jesus with her future. Well, we think she probably did. So Jesus gets up from whatever he's doing and, and he says to the girl who has, uh, is on the ground and been accused of adultery, and she says, where have all your accusers gone? Where are they? They're none here. Who's the only one that could throw a rock? Jesus. Jesus had every right to pick up a rock and throw it at her. He could have done that. And he says, because your accusers have gone, I'm going to leave it as well. Go and what? Sin no more. In that very moment, Jesus, she did as well. The past, the present and the future all being dealt with. Well, wasn't it? Her past actions, her present situation and her future. Go and sin no more. We trust Jesus with our past, we trust Jesus with our present, and we trust Jesus with our future. I ask the band to come up, and I'll ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Just want you to sit with that for a little while. I want you to think of that image of the, of the swimming pool. I asked you a question at the start, where are you? The question I'm asking you now as we finish, where would you want to be? Or where do you want to be in that picture? And what area of trust is stopping you? Is it your past? Is it your present? Or is it the fear of the future? Maybe you feel a bit like that, that poor lady who was caught in adultery and you're just feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Can I encourage you to hold on to the fact of and look at, look at Jesus' actions in, in what he did, that you can trust him with your past, you can trust him with your present, and you can surely trust him with your future. As we continue to pray, if, this, if there's an area that you just... Sometimes we need to actually do some form of action to, to, to just kind of stamp the moment of saying, I am reaffirming my trust in Jesus.
today. And I'm going to ask you this morning a little bit more, a little bit to be a little bit more courageous than just put your hand up. I'm going to ask you to stand up. And, and no one's looking except me. <laughs> if you are reaffirming your trust in Jesus, it might just be in one of those areas. That's fine. Just stand up. And it's just a way, I suppose, of putting on the vest. I'm trusting Jesus. I'm reaffirming my trust in Jesus. If that's you this morning, stand up. That's great. Be bold. Good on you. It's excellent. Good on you. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for everyone who's standing up and has stood up. You can sit back down if you want to. I thank you for the courage that they just took to stand up, Lord, to reaffirm their faith and trust in you, Lord. You know their story. You know whether it's past, present or future. You don't bring condemnation. You bring, you bring um, uh, freedom. You bring the spirit that will bring life to the full. And so, Father, for every single one of those people who just said that they are reaffirming their trust in you, Lord, I ask and pray that you would give them the ability to step out, to trust you with whatever their situation is today. I don't know. You know, Lord. Thank you for their boldness to do that. Lord, go before them. Give them the strength. May your spirit speak to them this week. May your spirit really speak into the reason why they're standing up, Lord. That, that you would give them something tangible to hold on to, Lord. That they would continue to trust you in everything, past, present and future. Lord, may we be people who do that, past, present and future. Trust you in all that we do. We thank you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Let's stand.